we are dedicated to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through all available means with a sole focus of teaching the word, making it plain, sharing it with love. Good morning, Faith Temple. Uh, I consider it an honor and a privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, We are getting ready to get into the Word of God and see what the Lord has to say for us today. And today we are going to talk about very practical matters uh, around finances. And so it is a continuation of our next level series where we want to look at what faith looks like when it comes to finances. So the title of the sermon today is A Faith for Finances. A Faith for Finances. Our foundation scriptures are Matthew 6 and 24, Psalms 62 and 10, Proverbs 10 and 4, Proverbs 13 and 11. Again, Matthew 6 and 24, Psalm 62 and 10, Proverbs 10 and 4, and Proverbs 13 and 11. And so again, we're going to talk about a faith for finances, and we'll be back. Good morning, Faith Temple. I'll be reading the scriptures for this morning. I'll be reading from the easy to read version. The first scripture is Matthew 6 and 24, and it says, You cannot serve two masters at the same time. You will hate one and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and not care about the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. The second scripture comes from Psalm 62 and 10, and it says, Don't trust in your power to take things by force. Don't think you will gain anything by stealing. And if you become wealthy, don't put your trust in riches. Proverbs 10 and 4 reads, Lazy hands will make you poor. Hardworking hands will make you rich. And the last scripture, again from the easy to read version, comes from Proverbs 13 and 11. And it reads, Money gained by cheating others will soon be gone. Money earned through hard work will grow and grow. May God add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. Amen. Thank you, Sister April. So we're going to get into the sermon on today. And I'm going I'm not going to be before you long because what I have learned when it comes to the area of finances, you have to be ready. Right. Sometimes we think that we are. And I was thinking about the scripture that Brother Steve read at the eight o'clock hour about people chasing fantasies. If you are not willing to put in the work, and we said this before when it came to self-control and some other things, if you are not willing to do the deeds, faith without works is dead. And basically you're chasing fantasies. One of the things that I want us to accept if we are willing to accept and move forward in this area is the scripture Matthew 6 and 24. You cannot have two masters. And so I know it's easy for us to say, oh, I don't worship money. Oh, money is not an idol and that sort of thing. Maybe you don't, but maybe you spend a lot of time worrying about money. Maybe you spend a lot of time fretting about whether whether or not there's enough to cover the bills or for the things that are coming up. Or maybe every time an emergency comes up, you freak out because you 
you haven't planned for the money and you don't have what you need to cover the expenses, I want you to accept today that money is your master. Anything that takes you from your attention on the Lord to worry and to be anxious about it is driving you. You are not driving it. It is driving you. And all too often, that is what serving the money master looks like. We don't have enough and so we fail to trust God and we worry and we wring our hands and we uh, talk about how short we are and all this and we do it over and over and over and over again. So it is not my objective today to force you to do this. My objective today is to give you the information that you need if aptly apply to be financially free. The decision, just like it is when we make the decision to come to Christ or not, the decision to apply the information is yours. And as we say in the confession of faith, and as uh, April says when she finishes reading the word of God, my life is getting better when I hear and do the word of God. And April says, may the uh, blessings be to the readers and the doers, and I say the hearers and the sharers of his word. It is not just enough to hear. You have to decide to do. And when you're when you get tired enough, when you get worried enough, when your headaches get big enough, when you don't know what to do, you will have to return to these principles. So then why not make the decision to do them now when maybe you are not uh, so down or you are not so broke or whatever the situation is. And so again, during the next level series, our goal is to give you information to make the choices that are necessary to do the work so that you can move your life to the next level. And today we're going to focus on finances. And um, I am doing this today for a couple reasons because I annually every year, review my finances, where I am, how does my budget need to change, and all those sorts of things. And so it's that time of year for me. And somebody else was talking to me about uh, finances, and they say, why don't you do something about finances, the faith for finances? And so that's what we're doing today, because we're moving up on a new year, and this is the time of year where people make all kinds of resolutions and decisions about their life. I don't want this to be a resolution for you. I want this to be a lifestyle for you, where you walk into the freedom in the areas of finance so that you can let it go when God calls for it, so that you can stop worrying about it so that you could have everything that you need. And we're going to walk through the scriptures because you could be like me. There are some finance books out there about personal finances. One of my favorite is the total money makeover, but you may not have the money to buy that book. You already have the Bible and all of the principles that we need to be rich. April read some of those scriptures this morning. Whatever rich is to you, it may be being a millionaire. It may be being a billionaire. It may be having enough every month to left over to send your child to college or whatever it is that is necessary. Whatever your definition of rich is, the Bible declares 
this, that it is available to you, but there are some basic uh, financial concepts that you'll need to follow. So that's what we'll do this morning, and I'll give you those tips. I have about seven tips for you, and then we'll move on, and I'm going to give you the scripture that um, these uh, tips are are uh, grounded in so that you can go and read them and see how they apply to your life. Okay, so let's go. If you've ever done one of my financial coaching classes, you know I'm never going to allow you to go by without creating a budget. That's the first thing. That's the first principle to create a budget. And that is that principle is found in Luke 14, 28 through 30. Luke 14, 28 through 30. And that scripture reads, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. So this biblical principle is about budgeting. You need to know not just the things that are happening in your life every week or every month, like your rent payment or your mortgage payment, but you need other things that maybe you need to plan for other things that maybe are due every year. And you need to plan for emergencies. A lot of times what people call emergencies are things that they could have planned for but did not plan for. And if you've ever taken one of my classes, you know I say if you use something, if you buy it, it will break. And sometimes because we have new cars or new appliances, we think that they will never break. But they will. But they will accept that they will. And when they are new, you could do something as small as saving $10 a month to plan for the years ahead when they will break. So just plan everything. That's all the budget is. And I heard somebody say, if you don't tell your money where to go, which is a budget, you will wonder where it went. And sometimes people sit and they fret over these things. And God has promised that he will supply all of your needs. But you're you're spending away your need money $5 at a time. And because it's so small at a time, you don't realize how much money is leaking through your hands. But if you plan a budget, if you plan it and you say plan everything that you're going to do, your, your uh, mortgage, your rent, your car payment, your insurance, your eating out money, your movie money, whatever it is, plan it so that you know how much you can safely spend in those areas without causing yourself financial hardship. So that's the first principle, make a budget. And this is the part I'm going to tell you right now where a lot of people fall down. They don't want to go through the process of sitting down with pen, a pen and paper or a computer or whatever it is that you use to determine how much you want to set aside. And so month after month and year after year after year after year, they go without knowing what's happening to their money. And instead of owning that I'm blowing it, $5 at a time, they complain. A lot of people complain that God is not giving them everything that they need, but he is because the only way he's not is if that, if he's a liar and we've accepted that he's not a liar. So there's a lot of uh, room to improve your finances. If you just sit down 
and make a budget. It will make all of the difference uh, in your life. And in so doing, when you make a budget, we're going to go to principle number two. You'll set your priorities. You cannot have everything while you're trying to get to financial freedom. You have to decide what will and what, what, what is and is not important right now. So Proverbs 24 and 7 says, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready after that, build your house. Now, this looks different to us because a lot of us are not farmers and never have been, and we may not have a real concept of what this means. But if you think about what you know about farming, it would um, it would be kind of foolish if you are a farmer and that's the way that you make your money, that you go about doing other things before you plant the seed, before you water it, before you, and you can't expect the harvest if you have not planted the seed. So this is not saying that you cannot have the house. It's just saying prioritize. And so then that you can uh, walk into financial freedom. So what might that look like for us today? It might look like you uh, not buying food and paying your rent, but you're out buying new clothes or new shoes. That doesn't mean you can't have new clothes or new shoes. It just means the basics needs to be covered. The essentials need to be covered. And if you are not at a place where even that is taken care of, then then. Don't worry about the shoes and the new clothes. It's okay. Your God can make your clothes last. They're going to change next season anyway. So just learn to take care of what you have. Learn to what I call, uh, for me, delayed gratification. I'll tell people I used to be the queen of delayed gratification, but it's because I knew there was somewhere I wanted to go. If you are not willing to set your priorities, if you are not willing to delay wants of things, then I'm saying to you, unless somebody dies and hands you a bunch of money, then wealth is far from you. You have to budget. In that budget, you have to create priorities. We cannot. I know we live in a society where it's all about comfort and it's you can have it all now. I want you to accept that you cannot have it all now. And even if somebody were to pass away and hand you a bunch of money, if you don't have these principles as a part of your life, you're going to blow the money and end up right back where you are anyway. We see it all over and over again. People coming into these huge amounts of money, but because they don't have the basics, they end up um, actually worse off than where they were the first time. But because because before when they were poor and didn't know what being wealthy was, they didn't have to contend with that. But when you go from knowing what wealthy is to going back to being poor, I would imagine that that is a harder struggle than having never been uh, wealthy in the first place. So don't be afraid to forego some comforts, right? It's not like you're going to starve to death if you don't eat in a restaurant every day. It's not like you're going to go naked if you don't get the newest trends and the newest shoes. You're just delaying it. And then when, when the time comes where you have all of your essentials taken care of, when you have everything and extra money in the bank and all that sort of thing, wearing those new clothes and new shoes uh, will be even sweeter for you. So make a budget and set your priorities. The third thing I want to say uh, to you is build an emergency fund. Build 
an emergency fund. And that principle can be found in Genesis 41, 34 through 36. And that's the story of when Joseph uh, interpreted Pharaoh's dream and told him um, that a famine was coming. And Joseph told Pharaoh to store up grain for seven years so that when the, when the famine came, they would have something to get them through the hard time. So that is the principle for you to create an emergency fund. And why do we do that? Because we don't know if our jobs are going to be available to us, if, if money are, is going to be as free-flowing to us always as it has uh, been in the past. So you have to prepare for it. You can't assume that you're always going to have employment. You can, but that may not be wise. You can't assume that you're always going to have the number of customers that you have today if you are in business for yourself. You can not assume, even as a church, that everybody that's paying tithes will have tithes to pay in the future. You can, you can, but it's not wise to do that without planning for. So surely, if you live long enough, you've already experienced some lean years in your life. So to think that they are not going to, that there is no possibility that they will come again is kind of not wise. So what will happen to your family? What will happen to your finances if you lose a job or if your health becomes a problem and you can't and you end up with a bunch of medical bills? What will be the situation for your family? I'm not saying that these things are going to happen. They may never happen. But what is wrong with if you prepare for them to happen and they don't happen, then you just have a bunch of money. But if you don't plan for them to happen and they happen, then what? So the Bible is here to tell us how to have excellent lives, how to live in the abundant, how to have the abundant life that God promised us, that he in fact died on the cross for us. He made it available, but we have to do the work. And so Instead of being like Joseph and say, I'm going to save up for seven years, you may not even be able to um, to even think that far down in the road, down the road. But you can once you sit and you do your budget, you set your priorities, you know what your monthly expenses are, then then work towards saving six months of your expenses or a year of your expenses, because if something happens, you will have some cushion so that you uh, can survive those lean times. Make it an emergency fund. If you are self-employed or if your income fluctuates from month to month, you may want to save more than that. You have to start walking toward these things if you want to be free. And the most, uh, the most salient story I have is when I lost my job in 2014 and I was unemployed for over a year. I never had to ask anybody for money. Nothing ever got turned off in my house. My mortgage never fell behind. And it's not because of my income. It's because of my discipline, because people are sometimes say, oh, she makes a lot of money, which is funny because people don't actually know what I make. But they say she'll make it. She'll make a lot of money. Most of the time when people make a lot of money, their expenses are also uh, 
they also have more expenses than other people. I'm not saying what's true of me. What I am saying of me is that I do have a discipline around money where I don't spend everything that I uh, make, where I do realize that these jobs don't belong to me, where I do realize that customers can choose to use somebody's services or not, and they can choose to use your services or not, and they will choose to use your services or not. And if they stop using your services and you haven't planned, then what? You fall apart because you hadn't planned for all of these things. If you take nothing else from this message today, you please take that everything that happens in your life, you can plan for if you choose to. You don't know what the exact happening will be, but you can set aside money every month to say, if something happens, I'm going to have some cushion. My family is not going to be in jeopardy because I spent all of the emergency funds on the latest shoes or the latest um, clothes. Now, this is one of those sermons where people are not hooping and hollering. It is about teaching because we need to be free. We need to be free enough that when God calls for his money, this is his money. When he calls for it, we can't be spending so much on ourselves that we, he can't even make use of his money. Sometimes because he puts it in our hands, we think it's ours, but we are stewards and God gets the call for his money whenever he wants to. And if you want to walk in this freedom where he can be your master, where money is not your master, these are the things that you are going to need to do. The fourth principle is avoid debt. Avoid debt. And as Americans, we we hate that because um, the American economy is based upon us being in debt. This principle can be found in Proverbs 22 and 7. It says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. If you have a bunch of debt, I want you to think about who is your master. We read at the top of the of the sermon that you cannot serve to masters. And so in Proverbs, it's telling you if, you, if you owe somebody something, you are a slave to that lender. So if you are a slave to the lender, that means the lender is your master. And so avoid debt. That's totally different from what the messaging in this society uh, that we have, because the economy is based upon all of us being in debt. That's how, that's how the rich keep getting richer. And then you complain about rich people being rich, but the only reason they can be rich is off of the interest and stuff that they charge you for things that you want that you cannot really afford. So credit cards are full, mortgage debt is high, car notes, debt is high because these are things that we can't really afford, but we think we deserve them. So we go and we put our name on a line without even thinking about it because we want this stuff so bad. Guess how many Americans are in debt? 80% of Americans are in debt. 80% of the people that you look at cannot afford the things that they have. That's what debt means. They cannot, they could not afford to pay for what they had. So they went and put their name on the line. 80% of the people that you walk around, 80% of the people cannot afford what, what they are showing you with their eyes. And we know from science that debt the stress of debt 
gives you high blood pressure. It lowers your immunity. There are all kinds of symptoms, headaches, back pain, ulcers. You think about it. You probably have experienced some of it before. I know I have when I was living above my means and wanting things that I thought I deserved that I could not pay for. And I think I've told you guys this before. I had $30,000 worth of credit card debt and a $29,000 a year salary. Now, that was nowhere wise, no way how, but it was directly reflective of American attitudes towards debt and, and, and what we think we deserve and what we ought to have. But I want you to develop a negative view of debt right now. Even if you are in debt, I want you to get a plan to get out of debt so that the Lord can truly, 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 truly be our masters. Because until we master money, it will be our masters. So take the biblical advice to heart and try to get out of debt if you are in it and stay away from it if you are not. Um, And you can make an easy plan to pay off your debt. You'll have to work at it, but if you want to live biblically with money, these are the things that are the principles that are in um, the Bible. And then the next thing may be a little uh, premature if you are still in debt and you don't have an emergency fund because because getting out of debt, having an emergency fund, making sure your basics are covered, these are the first things. And then there's another principle that's found in the Bible about diversifying your investments or the things where you put your money in, and that's Ecclesiastes 11 and 2, Ecclesiastes 11 and 2. That principle is about don't put your money all the same places, but for some of you, you may not be ready to think about that, but diversify. If you, When you get to the place, I'm not going to say if, when you apply these principles and you get to the place where you can start thinking about stocks and bonds and all those sort of things, um, diversify. Get you a financial advisor and diversify um, so that if something crashes, all of your money is not over there. It can be somewhere else. So, you know, that saying about don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Uh, Don't put all of your eggs in one basket Um, because because when you get to this place and you start looking at the market and that sort of thing, you know that it fluctuates. Um, so you want to reduce your risk after you've put in all the hard work of uh, delaying gratification and making your budget and setting priorities and building your emergency fund and all that. All of that hard work, when it starts leading to all of this extra money, you don't just want to take the highest risk on it. You want to uh, reduce your risk so that you can have a safe and a sound uh, plan for growing uh, growing your money. Um, the sixth thing is that when you get older, like me and people that are older than me, usually people say 65 years and that sort of thing when people start retiring, we know that people are retiring earlier. So what is that going to look like? Um, what is that going to look like? What you are doing right now, if you were to assess yourself 20 years from now, if you don't change a thing, what is that going to look like when you're older? Are you going to have enough to pay your rent or your mortgage or whatever it is? What are you going to do for the next 20 30, 40 years after you retire when you no longer have a job. What is that going to look like? Usually in that time, um, people want their lives to be easier. 
And so you have to have enough. I'm not telling you to get obsessed with this because we read at the top of the hour that we should not put our faith and our trust and our hope in money. So I'm not telling you that. I'm just telling you to be smart. If the Lord gives you life, what is that going to look like? Um, or are you going to be um, depending upon the kindness of your children? It's, what is that going to look like? And so even as you age, you want to keep thinking about these things because you want to reduce your risk as you get older and older. So that's the sixth plan. As you age and you start building finances and, and that sort of thing, start reducing the risk if you are already at that age or if you're headed to that age. And then the Final thing I want to say, the last principle is make a financial plan. Proverbs 21 and 5 says the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So where do you want to go? A plan is a is a is a goal with a deadline. So where do you want to go? What are you planning for? Are you budgeting, planning for retirement, saving for emergencies? What stage of your financial life are you in? And to make a financial plan, you need to think about where you're going. What do you want to do? Are you trying to save money for college? Are you buying a house? What are you trying to do? And write that down. And then you need to think about your situation. What is it? Where are you? Do I have an emergency fund? Can I cover my basics? And you want to deal with that. And then you need to think about the steps that you need to take to get where you're supposed to be. So if you're trying to save $50,000, for instance, and you want to do it in the next 10 years, that's $5,000 a year. How much is that a month? How much is that a week? And if you become consistent with that weekly saving over the term of five years, 10 years, whatever your goal is, you will get there and you will get there faster than you thought when you just apply these principles and, and put discipline behind them. So that's our series about faith for finances. It's not, it's not magical, but it works. It's not a quick get quick rich scheme, but it works. It requires you to apply the faith, to have the discipline, to do what is necessary, to have what you envision. Because sometimes we have these grandiose visions and God has given us those visions. He is saying this is what is available to you. So I want you to recall those things to bind right now. How big is it? What is available to you? And then you have to come down and you say, am I willing to work for it? Am I willing to sacrifice for it? Or am I chasing fantasies? If you're not willing to work for it, if you're not willing to put discipline behind it, if you're not willing to delay, then I suggest to you that you may be chasing fantasies. But if you are willing to put in the work, if you are willing to put your faith into action, then that vision that you hold in your heart and your mind is available to you. And that family is the word for you today. 